Welcome to Women on the Line, a community radio national women's current affairs program produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Hart. So I just urge people to just, when companies say, or like AGL, when they say we need the gas and that it'll potentially bring prices down, that neither of those things are true and it's no justification for what they're doing. Women on the Line acknowledges that this program is produced and presented on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations and that their sovereignty was never ceded. We acknowledge their elders past, present and becoming, as well as the traditional owners of the land on which you're hearing us from. This week, we head to the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria, to Westernport, where, on the land of the Boonarong people of the Kulin Nations, AGL have proposed the Crib Point Gas Import Terminal, a floating gas infrastructure project at Crib Point Jetty. We'll hear about the campaign to stop the project from Louise Page of local activist organisation Save Westernport, Zianna Ford, coordinator of Quit Coal Collective, part of Friends of the Earth Melbourne, as well as excerpts from a rally against the proposed project held outside the recent AGL annual general meeting. My name's Louise Page and I'm the spokesperson for Save Westernport. Could you tell us about the current threat to Westernport Bay? Certainly. AGL are proposing to install a floating gas plant at Crib Point Jetty. Now, this floating gas plant is actually what is called an FSIU, which is a floating storage and regasification unit. It's a 300-metre-long ship that has the ability to regasify liquefied natural gas. The natural gas they will be importing from overseas, which also comes in on 300-metre-long tankers, which pull up alongside the FSIU and unload their cargo, and then it's regasified. AGL will be building a um, 60-metre pipeline from Crib Point to Pakenham so that they can transfer the gas into the Melbourne transmission line. Now, both sides of this project have enormous impact. The FSIU, in the process of regasifying their liquefied natural gas, sucks up 450 million litres of living seawater per day. It is chlorinated and spewed out again. Now, they suck up the water in order to warm up the LNG so that it's regasified. That's how they do it. So the water going out is not only chlorinated, but it's seven degrees colder. Now, the, the pipeline will be cutting a 30-metre swathe from Crib Point to Pakenham. So if you can imagine that, 60 kilometres worth. And it's a 30-metre swathe so they can build the pipeline and then it comes down to a 15-metre easement once it's built. And that's going through Warringini Reserve, it's going through Ramsar Wetland, it's going through some of Melbourne's prime agricultural land, the Melbourne's food bowl. So both, both sides of the project have enormous impact. I think there's a lot of focus on the, the bit about Westernport being the floating uh, vessel, the floating gas plant, but the pipeline is as bad. In terms of the environmental impact you've just described, that sounds quite significant. It is. And that's only, really, that's only the tip of the iceberg too, because if you think about, there's a lot of other factors involved. There's the emissions. So you've got the, the energy used, because the gas that's coming in, a lot of it could be coming from Australia. 
So it's actually being exported. So you've got all the energy used to export it. So to turn it into a liquefied natural gas, then it comes back in and then it's regasified. So the emissions are a lot more than if we were using our own gas. And considering that Australia is months away from being the world's largest exporter of gas, it's ridiculous. So you've got a twofold effect. One, we should be going to renewables. And secondly, we're importing gas that could have been exported from Australia and we're about to be the largest exporter. I mean, you, you couldn't get... If you if you're writing a business plan and you said to somebody, well, let's sell all our stuff and then bring it back in again and damage the environment here and build a pipeline, you'd just be looking at them like they were stark raving mad. What would you say the main concerns of... Western Port locals are around this development? Well, again, it ranges from the economic to the environment to just living there, close by it. You know, there is the social impact, basically. There's a raft of reasons why they don't want it. And, you know, there's one phrase that, two words that really have start to bother me now after six months on this campaign. One is NIMBY and one is jobs because people seem to have this automatic reaction that, oh, good, you know, there'll be jobs for the area because there's something happening. They're sort of without going into it, there's just something happening down there. But there aren't actually any jobs in this. And irrespective of the amount of jobs, you think, well, okay, think of it on the other hand, is that you've got something coming into an area that is well known for it, tourism, I'm talking the whole of the Mornington Peninsula, and you're talking about an area that has just seen a record number of whales come right, you know, within a kilometre or passing by where this FSIU would be. So we have this enormous potential for world-class, world-class nature-based tourism on our doorstep, and we're about to put a floating gas terminal there. Like, it just, none of it makes sense. There's been recent talk about a ferry from Stony Point, which is like a kilometre from Crib Point Jetty. Uh, They're talking about having a a ferry from there to Phillip Island, so the other world-famous place for nature-based tourism. And then we've got people who will be living 600, 800 metres from this terminal, which we have as yet been unable to find out from AGL what the lighting is going to be at night. And we've asked them several times in meetings, in writing, please tell us what the lighting is going to be like because we know it's going to be a lot for security reasons. And we suspect that the reason they're not telling us is because it's going to have such an impact. So we don't know what the impact is going to be on this Ramsar-designated wetland where we have birds coming from Siberia. I mean, it's a critical habitat for migrating birds. We don't know the impact of lighting. We don't know what the impact of the underwater acoustics will be either. So these are two significant areas where we don't have any information at all. So the locals have the fear of the noise because it's a, it will be going 24-7. There'll be people living on board, so you'll have generators, you'll have boilers, you'll have all sorts of things. And then you've got the lighting as well. Women on the line. In terms of the Save Western Port campaign, can you tell us a little bit about how the campaign has come about and where things are at now in terms of the process of trying to combat this proposed development? 
We actually got together as a group back in March and it was following one of the AGL consultation sessions that they've, they've held down here and there was a, a significant number of people who were in that meeting who were obviously not happy with the sort of information we were being given and the fact that it was happening at all in an area such as ours. So at the end of the meeting, one of the members, Rod Knowles, who actually is an ex-fireman and attended the Coot Island explosion, he suggested that a few of us put our names down on a piece of paper and that's what we did and a few of us got together and the weekends after that and from there Save Western Port was born. So it's, it's made up of locals either living right at Crib Point or myself who's not actually right at Crib Point but cares deeply for environmental issues around here because I think Western Port is, is a forgotten area that tends to be looked upon as industrial when quite clearly it's not. We do have a couple of industrial plants here up in Hastings but if anybody cares to go and look at any drone footage of Western Port, you will see it's far from industrial, far from industrial. I mean, it's almost a joke that people call it that. So once Save Western Port was born, and we decided to call it Save Western Port rather than No AGL Gas, which is our campaign heading, or Stop AGL, because we figure that these attempts are made regularly. It's not, this is not the first. It was, what, four or five years ago, they were talking about a container port. There's been... Uh, plans for bitumen, all sorts of things. People keep trying. They, it's almost like uh, there's Western Port, we've got to use it, we've got to use it. Instead of thinking of a really good sustainable use like nature-based tourism, it's people have in their heads industrial and they can't seem to go beyond that. So that's why we call ourselves Save Western Port. But our current campaign is AGL and they're ridiculous idea for this FSIU. So as you know, yesterday was the AGM and we put questions to the board there and it was obvious that the main concern for everybody who asked those questions was around Crib Point or the emissions and every other thing that uh, it impacts. So at the moment, the main thrust is that we want Richard Wynne to ensure that an EES is required, so an environmental effects statement. Uh, AGL's proposal is with the planning department right now, so we are waiting to see what the decision is. Before AGL actually put their referral to Richard Wynne, we actually said to them, well, how about you determine yourself that you should do an EES, as some companies do. You know, It doesn't have to be that the government says you do an ES, you could say out of the interest of the community and to show that you're an ethical corporation, you will undertake the EES. But they said, no, we'll wait and see what the government says. So that's where we're at at the moment. We're waiting to hear what the planning department says. Luke Dunellen, when he was questioned in Parliament on this topic, he did say that it would be going to an EES, so his ports minister. So we're hoping that they stand by that then we'll take it from there. But it's a really backward step. I think that's what's so distressing about it. It's a really backward step for this area. It's not progress. It's going backwards if you're talking about using fossil fuels and putting it in a Ramsar wetland. It's not a good move. You know, there was somebody on John Fain recently and they mentioned to him about the whales that have recently been there. And 
he was shocked. He said, whales? And we said, yes. <laughs> In the past month, we've had southern right whales and we've had a mother and calf at Stony Point Pier. There's been, I think, four instances of whales in right close to where AGL are proposing to put their plan just in the past month. What's the best way listeners can support Save Western Port if they're concerned about this issue? The very simplest way is just to go to savewesternport.org and you'll find anything that we're doing is there. There's a take action page where they can sign our petition and which will also send a letter to the planning department telling him that we're against it and requesting an EES. So that's really the best thing because once they go to Save Western Port, they can find our Facebook links and, and Twitter and Instagram. So everything's there. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. We're bringing you coverage of the Save Western Port campaign on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria, where AGL have proposed a new gas infrastructure project. You just heard Louise Page of local activist organisation Save Western Port. Next, we'll hear an excerpt from Environment Victoria's live feed of a rally against the project held on September 26 outside the AGL annual general meeting in Melbourne. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on this sunny day. Um, my name's Kat. I'm from Environment Victoria. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge that we're standing on the lands of the Wurundjeri and Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nations, acknowledging that their sovereignty was never ceded. And also that today we're, we're mostly talking about Western Port Bay and that the Boonwurrung people have always spoken about their country being between the two great bays, Port Phillip and Western Port, and what a special area it is that has been a significant place to people and animals and, and unique ecosystems for thousands of years. And uh, we want to do what we can to protect it and our precious climate. And uh, I'm so happy to see all your faces here today. Um, we're here to talk to AGL directly on the day of their AGM about what we expect from companies in 2018 to protect the environment and look after communities in the areas that they want to operate and do business in. We're talking about the Crib Point Gas Import Terminal, which is a massive new gas infrastructure project that would double the amount of gas flowing into Victoria, massively increase our climate pollution, and be built in Western Port Bay, which as you're gonna hear from some locals and people who know the area a lot better than me, is an internationally recognized wetland, home to migratory birds, whales and dolphins, beautiful creatures of all sorts, and a place that we wanna protect. Now we're going to hear from Julia and Candy from Save Western Port. These guys have been leading action on the ground in Western Port all around the bay, uh, letting everyone know what the locals really think about this project. Uh, can you share a little bit with us? Hi, first of all I'd just like to acknowledge you're on the lands of the Wiradjuri people, the traditional, the traditional owners of this land of the Wiradjuri people. I'd like to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and that we acknowledge their continuing involvement in land care. We've come up today from Western Port, from different areas of Western Port, to the AGM of this big corporation that wants to bring a floating gas processing factory into our bay, onto our beach. This is where I grew up. This is where a lot of us grew up. We love this place. It's a protected Ramsar wetland. It's a UNESCO biosphere. It's on the flight flyways of many endangered and threatened 
migratory birds that come all the way from Siberia every year to feed on the ghost shrimp that live in the mudflats there. When I was young, there used to be oil slicks on the beach and in the 80s, BP closed down the petrol refinery at Crip Point and since then I've seen the bay replenish. I've seen it come back, the seagrasses replenish. We get whales, we get dolphins, seals. That shows that the marine mammals are there. If the marine mammals are there, that means the food is there. AGL want to bring in gas from overseas that may well have originated just out in Bass Strait and been sold offshore because of this very broken gas market, energy market that we have in Australia. We need to divest away from fossil fuels. It's last century's technology. We have alternatives now. This floating factory needs to use 450 million litres of organism-rich sea water every day that it operates. That water is chlorinated. It's used as a massive heat exchange. Every time one of these tankers comes in, it's got a massive cargo of frozen gas. That, ga that coldness is going to be transferred into the bay every time a ship unloads. Those tankers will come and go up to 40 times a year increasing the incidence of whale strike and other marine pests possibly coming into the bay. It will take three days to transfer, it would, if it goes ahead, it's not going to go ahead. It would take three days to transfer its cargo of LNG into the floating regasification unit. And that uses water to to heat the temperature of the gas back up so it can be piped in a 60 kilometre pipeline that would also need to be built through wetlands and some of, through some of Melbourne's most productive food growing areas between Crip Point and Pakenham. 60 kilometres of wilderness, of private holdings, of people's lives and farms being ripped apart by a pipeline that they don't want and they're not being given a choice in. The water is chlorinated. It's left seven degrees colder on average, and then it's dumped as effluent back into the bay, dead water. Everything in it killed because the state of the seawater, it has so much living in it, it would, it would uh, block up their pipes. They call it biofouling their pipes. So they would chlorinate the water with sodium hypochlorite 45 kilos a day added to this water and there are warnings on sodium hypochlorite it says not to be released into the environment it has long-lasting effects we don't want this to happen in our bay there's no place for this sort of industry today that bay is worth millions billions in its healthy state so much more Local people are being promised jobs. People are very nostalgic for the days that their families were employed in safe jobs in the petrochemical industry. But this isn't the first town or area that has to make changes with the changing times, and it won't be the last. But these people are being exploited. There's no jobs with this, with this project. There's about 40 specialised jobs, and they'd have to be 
trained elsewhere, the FSIU, there's nothing like this facility in Australia currently, nothing. The ones that, jet cut, that currently operate around the world are mainly in developing countries, in places where environmental impact statements are not done. We feel that there be, there's an implicit agreement between the state government and AGL and we want them to carry out a full environmental impact statement into this project. We want it to be fully transparent. Most of all, we don't want it to happen. It's not appropriate. It's not the place for it and we don't need it. That was an excerpt from Environment Victoria's live feed of a rally held outside AGL's recent annual general meeting in Melbourne, and you were listening to Julia of Save Westernport. Next, we'll hear from Zianna Ford. My name is Zianna, and I'm the coordinator of the Crit Coal Collective as part of Friends of the Earth Melbourne. What makes this gas import terminal different to other gas development we've seen in Victoria? Well, first of all, it's the first floating terminal like this in Australia. It poses huge threats to the coastline directly, um, which has a Ramsar-listed wetland, really high biodiversity and lots of threatened species. Then again, it's also going to potentially double our consumption for gas in Victoria and bring in fracked gas to Victoria after we've just fought over five years to ban um, unconventional gas here in Victoria. And so we don't want to be receiving gas that's potentially contaminated um, other land around the world and especially in places like the NT. Let's talk a bit more about that. There is currently a ban on unconventional gas exploration and therefore fracking in Victoria, is that correct? Yeah, so two years ago, um, after a really long, tirelessly fought community campaign, the Andrews government announced a permanent ban on unconventional gas, which is fracking, and a moratorium on conventional onshore gas. So it's probably one of the most amazing environmental wins we've seen in Australia because we've locked out an entire fossil fuel industry from the state and set a really nice precedent for other states to follow the lead, which we hope to see. And when you say that the proposed gas import terminal at Western Port Bay would increase gas demand in Victoria, could you explain that a little bit more for us? I think it could double Victoria's gas use by bringing more gas, but we actually issued a report during the fracking campaign by the Melbourne Energy Institute which showed that um, along the East Coast gas demand will be declining because of energy efficiency measures, so things like electric stoves and stuff like that. So we actually think that gas doesn't need to be a transition fuel. We actually need to be completely reducing our use of fossil fuels across the board from coal to gas and boost renewables. So we don't really need new projects in Victoria. Moving more broadly to talk about energy justice, there are many different components of that, not simply environmental, but also in terms of the right to simply affordable energy sources as well. Would the proposed gas terminal make life easier for consumers if it were to go ahead? It won't reduce the prices, um, if that's what you're suggesting. I think some people are thinking, um, are worried about rising gas prices. But because they're going to be importing gas, they'll actually have to go by um, international gas prices. As we know in Victoria, the reason why our gas is so expensive 
is because we export so much gas that we have to compete with international prices. And so some projections have even suggested that this terminal could increase the price of gas. So we've been working along the lines of energy justice. That's our new campaign as part of Quick Coal. And the only way to reduce prices is to actually boost renewable energies in Victoria, which will put downward pressure on prices. And we're really worried that corporations have a control over our energy and they're actually putting a pretty enormous profit on our energy. And so we want to fight for community-owned energy and publicly-owned energy so that we can get non-for-profit clean energy in Victoria. What can listeners do if they are concerned about this kind of development and want to support the campaign? There's a really incredible local group um, called Save Western Port and you can find them on savewesternport.org and they're really fired up and I've already um, had a rally down there and started meeting as a group, creating an action plan. So if you live locally, that's a great place to start there. In the city, um, groups like Environment Victoria are helping out um, with the community campaign and Friends of the Earth. And you can look online for both those organisations. And we'll kind of carry out putting pressure on AGL. So even if you're just at home and you'd like to write a message to AGL or Richard Wynne, who's the planning minister, they're really great ways um, to make sure that they know the community's watching. On Wednesday, the 26th of September, to coincide with the AGL annual general meeting, there was a protest to try and save Western Port Bay. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, we had a um, rally at the front of the recital centre where the AGM was and we had over 100 people gather with all their signs, um, sea animals and a big Save Western Port sign and we heard speeches um, from the local community who were concerned about their coastline and we had chants and Quick Coal brought down a greenwashing machine and did a big stunt out the front because AGL still has 80% of their energy portfolio coming from fossil fuels. And yet, if you've ever seen their advertising, it's filled with wind turbines and solar farms. And so we want to make sure that people still recognise that they're Australia's biggest polluter and that their advertising is misleading. That was Zianna Ford of the Quit Coal Collective at Friends of the Earth, Melbourne, and you've been listening to coverage of the Save Western Port campaign to prevent a new gas infrastructure development by AGL on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio national women's current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the community radio network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenonthelion at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 8377. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line the theme music for women on the line is slideshow at free university by la tigra i'm emma hart hope you can tune in again next time <laughs>